Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, we continue a series on the seven churches of Revelation. If you can, please turn your Bible to Revelation chapter 3, as John looks at the letter written to the church at Philadelphia in his message, Are You a Faithful Christian? Today, beginning in verse 7, we're reading about the faithful church in Philadelphia. And this church was true to God. And when Jesus spoke to them, he had nothing but positive things to say to them. No reprimand, uh, no condemnation. He didn't get on to them for anything. They were doing everything right. And we're going to be blessed this morning studying about that church, the church in Philadelphia. Now, it's interesting, and I did not know this until I started studying for this sermon last Monday, that there was a man named Attalus II. Now, I'm not a huge history guy, and maybe you're not either, but this is interesting. A-T-T-A-L-U-S, Attalus II. And in the year 190 B.C., he founded the city that this church would later be established in. Well, he happened to have a brother named Eumenes, and Eumenes had gotten very sick. He had lost his health, and he was struggling and fighting for his life. Well, Attalus, again, the founder of this city, had great love for his brother, and he did everything within his power to help his brother during his time of sickness and illness. In fact, his love for his brother was so strong that the city was named in honor of that relationship, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And even today, that's what the one in Pennsylvania, that's what it means. It's the city of brotherly love. And so this city itself was established on love, the love of one brother for another brother. And the church that many years later was founded and established in this city was built not only on love for God and love for each other, built on faith in Jesus Christ, but it was established and built and endured for many, many centuries as a faithful, faithful church. Now... In just a moment, we're going to get into the verses and learn some specifics about this. But as I think about the message, remember Jesus, for all seven of these churches, has a specific message, something that he wanted to say to these churches. I've tried to read this and think about it and get the message of Jesus in a concise fashion. And this really was the message that Jesus had for this church. He said this, I know your circumstances are less than ideal. But I'm touched by the fact that you have remained faithful to me. You have honored me. Be assured that I will honor you in return. I want to ask you today, if Jesus came to your house this afternoon, and you and Jesus were able to have a conversation together today, could Jesus say that to you? Could he say to you today, I know your circumstances are less than ideal. Some of you are living in a time right now where your circumstances are less than ideal. You are going a You're going through something. You're up against something that's very difficult, and God knows all about that. But could he say this to you? But I'm touched by the fact that you have remained 
faithful to me? And I guess that's really at the heart of this message today. Here's the question. Are you a faithful Christian? Last week, the question was, are you a Christian? Do you know that you've been saved? This week, we're taking it a step farther and asking this. Are you a faithful Christian? And then he said this to the church in Philadelphia. You have honored me. Be assured that I will honor you in return. Could Jesus say that to you today? Could he say, look, I've noticed in your life with what you're going through, you've remained faithful to me. You have and you are honoring me, and I'll make you a promise. I'm going to honor you as a result. In fact, as I have thought about this church in Philadelphia and the message Jesus had for them, I thought about a verse, one of my favorite in all the Bible, in the Old Testament. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. God was speaking, and notice what God said. He said, those who honor me, I will honor. Say that with me. Those who honor me, I will honor. That's a little part of a bigger verse. Those who honor me, I will honor. God is saying this to us today. If you will honor me with your life, God says, as a result of that, I will honor you. It's a tremendous promise from God. Now, let's pick up in verse number 7 of chapter 3, and let's read about this church in Philadelphia. And to the angel, or as we have said, this is the messenger or the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David. That's a reference to the fact that Jesus is the one who determines who enters the city of God in heaven. He has the key to that. Who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name." Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. There were Jewish people in the area of Philadelphia who were trying to make these Christians in the church, of, of, in, in, church in Philadelphia conform to all the Jewish laws in the Old Testament. And they were saying, the way you get saved is not by trusting the blood of Jesus. The way you get saved is by keeping all these laws. And they were opposing the Christians. And Jesus said, there'll come a day when these who are in this synagogue, Jesus called it a synagogue of Satan because they had rejected the blood of Christ. They will come and bow before your feet. What was he saying? He was saying, I'm going to fight your battles. I'm going to take care of your enemies. Verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. This was a reference to the tribulation that would soon come upon the earth, beginning in uh, chapter number 6. But Jesus said, for those who are saved, you're going to be raptured out out of here, taken to heaven before the tribulation comes to the earth. That's what this is talking about, the hour of trial which shall come to the whole world. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes... I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Jesus is saying, for those of you who are saved, for those of you who stay faithful to me, 
Not only are you going to go to heaven, but when you get to heaven, you're going to have a place of honor there. You're going to be a pillar in the house of God, a place of honor and a place of significance. And Jesus said, my Father's name will be written on you, my name will be written on you, and the name of the new Jerusalem will be written on you. Verse 13, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so Jesus is saying to this church, you've been faithful. You're going through a a struggle out there. You've got these people who are, they don't know it, but they're working for the devil, and they're opposing everything that you're doing. But rest assured, I will give you the victory. Keep being faithful. Keep doing what you are doing. Now, what I want to say to you today is this. If you are a faithful Christian, that is, you go through difficulties, heartache, sadness, opposition, physical problems, sometimes financial setbacks, all the things that everybody deals with in life. And yet in the midst of all that, if you will remain faithful to God, staying with Him, trusting in Him, serving Him with all of your heart, here's what God's going to do. He will open doors for you. And that's the message that I want us to focus on today. Now go back and look in verse number 7. And notice what Jesus says. He says at the end of verse 7, He who opens... And no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. When Jesus says, he who, he's talking about himself. In my Bible, this is red letter edition and the pronouns for he are capitalized (laughs) because he's talking about Jesus. In verse number eight, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Here's the promise. Jesus says this, in your life, If you will just make a decision and make a determination, you're going to be faithful to me. No matter what happens, here's what you're going to experience in your life. You're going to experience doors supernaturally open for you. Sometimes, he says, you're going to experience doors being closed. And when those doors are closed, it's going to be discouraging and it's going to be confusing and you're going to think, I have forgotten you and abandoned you and left you because you really wanted to walk through that door. But God says, I'm going to close some doors because if you walk through those doors, it would be disastrous. So when I close a door, don't try to open it. If I close a door, let that door be closed. And rest assured, every time one door closes, another door will open. And when I open a door, Jesus says, no one can shut it. He didn't say that no one could oppose it. In other words, if, if God is opening a door for you or for me or for us as a church to serve Him, He didn't say that no one can oppose the work of God, but He did say this, no one can shut the door. Because when I open a door, it will not be shut. And so God, for faithful Christians, supernaturally opens doors. And that should be our testimony today as we think about our own lives. Since we've been saved, the many years that we've tried to walk with God, we should be able to look back on our lives and say, you know what? I have seen times in my life when God supernaturally opened a door. He made a way for me where there seemed to be no way. One of my favorite songs says it this way, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me, and He will. If we'll be faithful to Him, we're going to experience in our lives God doing what? Opening doors, giving us opportunities, divine connections, meeting people that we need to meet, experiencing things that we need to experience. Some of you have noticed this in your uh, 
work. You needed a job, God opened a door. We've noticed it, certainly we've noticed it here in our church. Let me say, and, and for those of us who've been around a long time, we know this, but this land that we're sitting on today, these buildings that we're sitting in today are the direct result of a fact that God on the corner of Fairmont and Red Bluff many years ago opened a door for First Baptist Church that we could build a church out here and that we could reach as many people as possible for Jesus Christ. We know that where our church is situated, it, it is, you couldn't have a better location. We're kind of at the, at the crossroads, at the intersection, as it were, of, of Pasadena and of uh, Deer Park and Laporte. Deer Park has about 35,000 folks living in it. Laporte has about the same number. Pasadena has over 150,000. Uh, Seabrook not far from here at all, and we have lots of members from Seabrook, has about 13,000 people living there. Kima has almost 3,000 people. And so we are at an intersection where God has opened a door for us, for our church to be right at this place at this time to reach as many people as we possibly can. You say, John, do you really think that it matters that we're sitting right here? Well, I guarantee you it matters. First of all, it matters because it's God's will. Think about during the course of a week, how many thousands of cars drive down Fairmont, drive down Red Bluff, drive down Center Street, and just see this church. God has supernaturally opened a door for us. I'll tell you something else. I'm sensing God opening a door for in the church. We're seeing this for our radio ministry. God put on our heart, especially mine on this one, a few years ago to have a radio ministry. And here's what I say, especially mine, because my life has been especially blessed by pastors. I'm thinking of some in California, thinking of a man who pastored in Memphis, Tennessee, another man in Atlanta, Georgia, pastors in Dallas, who made a decision years ago that they wanted to take the gospel beyond the walls of their church and get the gospel to as many people as possible. And some of those pastors' sermons God has used in my own life to help me in a plethora of ways, not the least of which was to come to the full assurance of my own salvation. And so I have thought in my heart, and Dad's right, we're certainly together on this, that if we at First Baptist could get the gospel beyond the walls of the church, you know, the Bible says the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And what we, we have a mandate from God. Jesus said in the Great Commission that we're to go and take the gospel to everybody. And the radio ministry just one small way in addition to other ways that we're doing that. But we have seen and we are seeing God supernaturally open doors to take the gospel to people we'll never meet in person, to cities we'll never preach in personally. And he's opening doors and we're going there and we praise him for that. And you say, well, John... I'm glad to hear that God's opening doors for the church and people are being saved and radio ministry and the gospel is being preached in other places, but, but I'm not a preacher and that's, that's good. I'm excited about that, but how about in my own life? How is God going to open any doors for me? Well, I wish you could see my notes. I've got so many illustrations in here that I wish I had time to, uh, to tell all of them, but I don't, so God give me wisdom to know which ones to tell and which ones, <laughs> which ones to leave out. I'll give you this story. We have a man in our church, he and his wife own a window company. They install windows. In fact, I've been wanting to get some new windows in my house. I live in an older home, and, and I've been kind of budgeting and saving my money for the last few years. And last year, I, I called him, and I said, hey, I, want, I need some new windows in my house. 
So if we have one of these big storms, I won't have to worry about it. And so he came out there and, and measured my windows and gave me a price. And I said, let's do the job. And he put new windows in my house. And when it was over with, I was so thankful and so excited about it. And, and I said, man, I just I appreciate these are quality windows. You've, you've done a fair price. Everything about this is good. He said, you know, John, he said, God has blessed our business in, in just amazing ways. And he said, I want to just tell you a story of how good God has been. Now, this is not a preacher story. This is a window story. And he, uh, he said, you know, we started coming to First Baptist about 20 years ago. And when we started coming, your dad was teaching about tithing. And we heard that. And we thought, man, I don't know if we're going to be able to tithe. He said, but we, we made a commitment. And we started tithing. And we didn't know how we were going to be able to pay the bills. But we did. And God's honored us. And he said, you know, there have been times along the way that, that God has put on our hearts to, to help people. And, and, uh, and we've, we've tried to do that. And he said, every time that we've tried to help somebody, God's just blessed us in incredible ways. He told a story about one lady. She, she had just become a widow, and her house had been damaged with a storm. And somehow she got his business's name and called, and he went to her house, and she was in tears. And she said, you're never going to believe what happened. She said, my husband died, and I'm trying to learn how to do everything. And she said, I needed new windows, and she said, I've, I've hired this contractor to come out to my house to put in new windows for me, and, and he charged me a, a price. It was like in the neighborhood of, it was a big house in the neighborhood of like $30,000, and she, she said, so I wrote him a check for $30,000, and he took out my windows, and he said, okay, in a, in a few days, I'll be here with your new windows, and she said to my friend, she said, you know, the man never did come back. He took my windows and he took my $30,000. He did the same with her floors. And he, she said, I, I, I just got to get windows in my house. I can't live without windows. And my friend talked to his wife and he said, you know, John, I'm not saying this to brag on me. I'm saying this to tell you how good God's been to us. He said, we just gave her the windows. And, and as a result of that, God's done so much for our business. He said, after Hurricane Harvey, he said, there was a family living down in Friendswood. Husband and wife, two daughters. Said, in fact, the, the wife and mother had died of cancer a year before Harvey. And during Hurricane Harvey, water started coming to these people's house, and the, 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 the father got nervous and very agitated and excited and, and, and worried about what was going to happen with this rising water, and, and he ended up having a heart attack and dying. And now they got these two daughters who've lost both parents, very young, early, early 20s, and when the storm was over, they, they needed new windows, they needed new everything, and she said, he said, their neighbor gave them my name because I know their neighbor and said, you ought to call this guy. He'll come out here and take care of you. And he said, so I went out there. He said, John, they had a big house, 22 windows. But he said, I looked at the fam these girls and I thought about what they had lost and I went home and talked to my wife about it and, and we decided together we ought to just give them the 22 windows. These girls have lost everything. He said, John, we just gave them the 22 windows. See, what were they doing? They were being faithful. They were, they, were, they were doing right by God, and they were doing right by people. And that doesn't mean if you own a business, you just always give things away. But it does mean there are times when God just impressed on your heart, just do something extra. And they did something extra, and he said, John, we were glad to do it, and we didn't think anything about it, several thousand dollars, but God had been good to us, and God had put that on it. He said, that was a ministry we could do for them. He said, John, several weeks after that, we received, or I received a phone call from a, a huge business in Louisiana, 
And they build buildings all over this part of Louisiana. And the owner of the company called and said, listen, we got your name from a reliable source. We need some windows here in our, in our building. Said the windows we've got are, are old and they leak. Every time we have a storm, it leaks. And is there any way you could talk to us about putting in windows? Well, the guy didn't know how many. He thought maybe you know, 50 or 60 windows. And he said, well, yeah, I can put in some windows. He said, I guarantee you my windows won't leak. And so my friend drives to Louisiana, looks at the stuff and says, I can put these windows in. He said, he said, how many windows are you talking about? How many windows do you need? He said, well, we need about 1,500 windows put in. And that man, my friend probably almost had a heart attack when he said that. 1,500. He said, John, I'm telling you that story to say, God, put it on our hearts to give away 22 windows. And God put it on that man's heart in Louisiana to call me, and we have sold 1,500 windows. You see, when God looks down, we ought to thank God for that. When God looks down and sees somebody being faithful, God says, those who honor me, I will honor. Yes, it's true for preachers. Yes, it's true for church. Yes, it's true for reaching people. But it's true out there in the real world too. It's true for men who sell windows. If we will do what God has called us to do, the promise remains, those who honor me, I will honor. And I'm saying to you today, friend, if you will be a faithful Christian, if you will serve God as best you can, he will honor you in return. Now, let's look at verse 8, and then we're going to bring this sermon to an end. Although I have more stories if you'd like to stay till lunch, but we'll have to do those on another day. Jesus said in verse 8, I know your works. That's what he's saying to that window man. I saw you give those windows away. I saw that. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. Look at this. And no one can shut it. Now, why did he do this? Watch this. For you have a little strength. Some of you today feel like you only have a little strength left, but you still have a little. You have kept my word. Now, watch this. And have not denied my name. You have honored my name. This is the, the message to the church in Philadelphia is just this simple. Jesus says to them, and he says to us, you have honored my name. And as a result, I will honor you. You say, John, how do we honor the name of Jesus? Well, Lots of ways, by being obedient, by serving Him, by treating people right, by asking for forgiveness when we mess up, by being real. The first way we honor Jesus' name, though, is by receiving Him into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, and then confessing Him openly and publicly before others. And so today, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity today to honor God's name, to honor Christ's name, to receive Him. As Lord and Savior, if you've never been saved, would you pray this prayer, Lord Jesus? I need your blood to wash my sins away. There to, the, to my heart was the blood applied. Lord, I'm asking you right here and right now to apply your blood to my sins. Save me and make me a Christian. Lord, I ask you to do that. For those of you who have just prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. We are so very happy for you. In fact, 
The Bible tells us that the angels are rejoicing over your new life in Christ. Please share your decision with us by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. If you are a new believer in Jesus Christ, we encourage you to get plugged into a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your friends and family about how Jesus has changed your life. We have a booklet titled, How to Be a Happy Christian, that will help you in your new faith journey. You can find it and others under the booklets tab on our website, peacebybelieving.org. To watch videos of John's series on the book of Revelation in its entirety, simply go to www.fbp.org forward slash revelation. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with many others under the broadcast tab on our website, peacebybelieving.org. We would love for you to keep up with us on social media. We invite you to like Peace by Believing Ministries on Facebook and follow at PBB underscore broadcast on Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.